Let me know when it comes through. Okay. Is it through yet? Maybe. What about now? Maybe. Make sure my microphone's on. Nothing like uh, a little home entertainment to, uh, to get us started. So first of all, thank you guys for braving the Texas winter this morning. <laughs> Seriously, I, like, I think it went below like 50. And so it's like, oh my gosh, I got to get out the heavy coats and start up the fireplace. And do we have enough wood and all that? Um, but I think when you live here long enough, it does. It affects your sense of cold. My wife and I last weekend were in Chicago celebrating our 19th wedding anniversary, and yeah, it was, if you know us, then that's for sure for her. Uh, congratulations for April. She put up with me that long, um, but it was 17 degrees, and we walked around a lot, and unfortunately, I realized how much I'm accustomed to Texas weather because I kept having to like stop and go inside places so my feet would warm up because they were so cold. Uh, but it's exciting that we actually have a little bit of cold. Congratulations on being able to wear your, uh, your sweatshirts and your uh, long sleeves. It's an exciting time in Texas. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we're at the end of a series, uh, our, our VIPS series that we've been talking about for multiple weeks that really outlines this kind of method in the way that the harbor brings to life our mission. And so this last one is on this idea of special events or a summit experience that I'm going to have a chance to unpack a bit this morning. One of the most profound truths in the Bible, as you read through it, is this, that it tells us that God's intention for anyone who surrenders their life to Jesus is to be ultimately more conformed to Jesus, that ultimately he can make us more holy And resemble Jesus. The theological term is a word called sanctification. Maybe you've read it. Look, the practical definition of that is this. It's simply to be made holy for the purpose of God's work. That is his intent, for us to become more like Jesus. Well, you might sit in this room today, some of you, and think, that's a tall order for the Lord to make me holy. I know I at times have thought that about myself. But then I'm reminded of this. We're talking about the God who created all around us by simply speaking it into being. I would suggest that he has enough power to change all of us if we would let him. See, this summit experience or special events, as they're referred to in the Harbor Blueprint book, these are ways that God can go about making this change in his people. Think about them in terms of this. It's uninterrupted time with God, exposure to his word, and time around fellow Christ followers. That's really what we're talking about. It's through these types of encounters that we can realize an experience that can change the way we see things. So let me see if we can get a picture of this in our minds. Uh, So I'm going to ask you to, uh, just in a minute, actually I'm going to ask you to do it now. I want you to close your eyes. No one's going to do anything, take anything from you, I promise. But close your eyes if you can, humor me for just a moment. And I want you to picture a time where you were in the mountains somewhere. Maybe it was Colorado or Utah or New Mexico or some other part of the world. Try to clearly see the image of your surroundings. Picture the view. How far can you see? What do you see? Maybe you see kind of where the tree line ends and the rocky landscape starts. Or maybe you see a unique rock formation extending out over a valley. Maybe you can even see some wildlife in the distance. 
See, when we stand at the summit and look out over the landscape, it can bring this sense of awe and inspiration. So you can open your eyes now. You probably have a picture of somewhere. Now, for some of you, your image may have been a place that you went through this grueling hike to get to, and you got to experience the summit. For others, you might have pictured this uh, lengthy drive up a paved road to get to the top of the mountain and join all the other tourists in the area where you overlook a fantastic view. Either way, you can likely take yourself back to that moment and get a sense of the experience and a sense of how you feel. See, a summit experience can have huge impact, huge, huge impact on our lives. I know for me, when I close my eyes and I think about an experience like that, I think of an area called Alta Lakes in, uh, just outside of Telluride. In fact, we have a picture of it up here. This happens to be an area that my brother-in-law decided on an afternoon when we were out to go on a hike and to climb to the top of what was about an eleven or 12,000-foot uh, mountain. Now, I am not a hiker regularly, uh, but he was. He's kind of a mountain man type person, so I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. So we literally went on a hike to the top. Unfortunately, this hike turned into a climb. And then the climb turned into a struggle to get up to the higher level with no ropes and very little safety around us. In fact, if I would have known what I was getting into that day, I never would have made that trip. I've never felt more fear in my life than we were trying to get to the, uh, to the summit. But there's something special about when you ultimately get there. And when you get to that point where you're able to see more broadly and more clearly, the majesty of it all lends to this really natural state of reflection. No matter how tired you are, if you've had one of those experiences, you're exhausted physically, but you're so awake mentally when you can look across the landscape that God has created. And God uses experiences like that. They don't always have to be literal mountaintop experiences to change us, to change us from who we are to what we can become. I had an experience like that that was a life-changing experience for me in my relationship with the Lord. So in July of 2015, I had a chance to go with a group of folks here from the harbor to the country of Haiti on a, uh, on a mission trip. In fact, some of, you, uh, some of you in the room were with us. We have a few images of the, uh, of the trip as it unfolded. Now, it was my first overseas mission trip. In fact, it was my first multi-day mission trip. So we figured we'd go for multi-day, overseas, into a country that maybe isn't 100% safe. From my perspective, our trip was extraordinarily safe. They did a great job with it. But I was looking forward to the potential of what God would do, but it was a bit unnerving because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Well, my portion of the trip was a bit condensed. I was only there for three days, but I went there for three days for a, uh, for a purpose. While I was there, I met this really energetic uh, American couple who were our hosts for the week, and I couldn't help but be, uh, but be drawn to them and inspired by what they were doing. It baffled me how they could just pick up from here and move to live in a foreign country, a country incredibly uh, that unfamiliar with. And ironically enough, that couple, Jen and Chris Ward, who maybe some of you know, uh, they would not only end up relocating here to Alvin, they're actually in my small group now. And it's ironic the way that God puts relationships together and does things. Every time I see them, 
I'm reminded of the power of that trip that I took to Haiti. Well, my main assignment for our time there was to participate in a pastor's conference. So we had a couple hundred pastors who came to hear some teaching uh, from a group of us from the harbor. And I had a chance to serve the attendees. I got a chance to teach a little portion of our conference. And then uh, one of the really neat things was we got a chance to give uh, completion certificates to all the pastors who had participated. It was literally one of the most humbling and yet exciting experiences I had ever been part of. We worshiped together. We talked about the work God was doing in local communities. And we, the idea of change, you could see it happen in transformation, not only in the people there, but it was happening in me. Ironically, I thought I was going there to give, and I so much received more than anything. God taught me a couple major lessons in that time. And one of the things that he taught me was right in the midst of a uh, teaching. Well, in Haiti, they don't speak English, so you have to teach through a translator. I had never done that before. And so I prepared an entire message knowing that I would have to work through a translator. And I want to give you guys a little bit of a perspective of what that's like so you can be in the moment of something like that. So I'm going to actually have somebody translate a portion of my lesson this morning. So I'm going to invite my translator, Mr. Weston, up to the stage real quick here. So if you would give Weston a hand. Spoiler alert right here, Weston doesn't speak Haitian Creole. And so we're going to do this in English, but I want to give you a sense of what the experience is like when you are teaching through a translator. So good morning. I am so happy to be here to meet with you guys. My name is Craig McAndrews, and I'm from the harbor. Hello. My name is Craig McAndrews. Uh, I also have acted in American films like Top Gun and Jerry Maguire. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, taught profound principles on how to live as a church body. Craig's friend Paul did things Bible. All right, this translation thing doesn't work as well. Thank you, Weston. I appreciate it. He, uh, I'm glad we were sticking to English. And he didn't say that when we rehearsed that about my movie career, which is not true. But I had prepared a message in Haiti to deliver the way that I would deliver any message. And working through a translator, the first 60 seconds of my message, the translator looked at me and said, I don't know how to say what you want to say in Haitian Creole. So I'm like, huh. I didn't do what I might typically do, which is I'll say it louder, and then they might be able to change it then. Didn't do that, uh, but I changed what I was going to say, and once again, the translator said to me, I don't know how to say that in our language. And in that moment, in front of several hundred people, I had no idea what to say. God set on my heart, said, Craig, just stick to my word. My word is enough. And the rest of my time, I read the Bible verses that I had in my notes, and I attempted to translate a little, here's how this might look in your life, but I was overcome by this powerful sense of my word is enough. That changed the way that I saw God's word. The other experience that I had there, I distinctly remember I sat in the back of the room, stood in the back of the room during a particular time when one of the other members of our group was teaching, and we went to a moment of prayer. And Haitians, when they pray, they kind of pray with this low murmur, like you can kind of hear them, but quietly. 
And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I have no idea what they're saying as I sat around them. And in that moment, God was like, but I do. Not only do I know what they're saying, but I know their heart, every one of them, and I know what they need, every one of them. And in that moment, God went from small, somebody that I can understand, to gigantic. God was very big in that moment. And that reminder was so fresh in that experience. See, the conviction of the power of God's word and the reminder of how big he was, it really influenced my relationship with Jesus. And I can stand here before you today and say, look, that was July of 2015, and that put me on a different spot with God. I still have both of those lessons powerfully influencing my life today. A summit experience can have that effect on people. So have you ever had your own summit experience? Have you ever had that time where you got uninterrupted with God, dug into his word, and got around fellow followers pursuing him? See, the truth is the world kind of has this thing figured out. You know, businesses do their annual retreats or their off-sites. Uh, anyone who's worked in business kind of knows the term off-site. That's everyone goes off-site to do stuff. I'm not sure when that came around. But it's for annual planning and refresh. Let's get away. You know, in the sports world, you get, to ready, get ready to start a season. They have camp. Let's get away. Together, uninterrupted, let's learn. And then let's get ready for what's in front of us. We do it ourselves. We plan vacations. Let's get time away from day-to-day life, get around the people that we love, and experience things that can restore us. That is the purpose of those experiences. Now, I don't want you to take this question the wrong way and feel condemned by it. I pray, actually, God just gives us kind of the spirit of conviction, how we think about things. But here's my question for you to consider. Are you willing to work harder to plan extended time away with work or with your family than to plan extended time away with God? Are you willing to work harder to plan extended time away with your family or your work than you are with God? Now, don't get me wrong. Work events, family vacations are awesome and needed in our lives. In fact, great things can often come from those commitments of time. But it's important to remember that God, the one who created us, wants to have that time with us. He wants that time with us. And it's likely that we could be missing out on what God could be doing in us and through us if we don't make time for those types of experiences. See, the summit experience of this uninterrupted time with God, God's used this method profoundly over the course of history to shape the people who have led his church and worked in his church In the Bible, and I'm just going to show a couple of high-level verses here. I encourage you to take a look at some of these chapters later. But in Exodus 19 and 20, now this is a literal mountain experience with Moses in the mountain uh, on Mount Sinai. Months after leaving Egypt, Moses and the Israelites come to the mountain, and they camp at the base of the mountain. And God brings Moses up to the mountain to speak to him. In fact, it's where God delivered the Ten Commandments and most of the law that the Israelites would live under. But he took Moses, separated him. Moses got the time, and God spoke powerfully through Moses. It was a powerful experience. Moses spoke to God, but God spoke to Moses during that time. 
When you search the Old Testament, you see multiple examples of festivals where the Israelites get together, things like Passover, the Festival of the Tabernacles. These events were often held over a period of several days to maybe several weeks. And their intent was to give people rest from their regular schedule, but then also honor God through sacrifices, through worship, and to commemorate oftentimes historical events that had happened to the people. See, rest and sacrifice were important parts of those events. But they were also times of great joy and lots of thanksgiving where the people celebrated God and God spoke to them and they spoke to God. And then in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, we read of Jesus himself who went out into the wilderness. Now, Jesus didn't go on a mountain. Jesus went to the wilderness and he experienced the power of uninterrupted time with his father just prior to beginning his work. You read the account of Jesus in the, uh, uh, in the wilderness for those 40 days. And during his time away, now he didn't have a lot of fellowship with other folks. He fasted and he prayed to his father. But then you read at the end of that account, as soon as he was done, his defeat of Satan's temptations, angels came and ministered to him. Angels joined him and he fellowshiped. See, Jesus knew the power of getting away. Jesus himself, who did all that he did, still knew the power of getting away, spending time with his father. The word of God was critical in Jesus' exchange with the devil. He maintained a sinless, sinless life, and then he's going to step out. For after this event, he steps into what I think you could call 36 months of the most productive ministry in the history of the world. 36 months of ministry, and this time away got it started with the one who created us. See, in each of these examples, Moses, the Israelites, Jesus himself, you see God use these experiences very powerfully to change the course of the lives of those who participated in them. There's so much power in this change. Now, I've not only been impacted by it, as I shared with you the Haiti story, but I've actually seen powerful impact of these types of experiences in the lives of uh, others, including people close to me. One of the things that means the most to me in, the wor- in this world is this letter, which you think, how could a letter mean so much to you, Craig? Uh, But this letter is from my grandfather. My grandfather died in 2010 at the age of 92. And he was, uh, he had a tremendous influence on my life. Um, We were very close. In fact, my grandfather, we communicated for probably from when I was 12 years old to 24 years old via written letters. And we had telephones, in case you're curious. I mean, we could call, but for some reason, he liked to write letters. And so I joined him in uh, in that effort for a number of years. But my grandfather, in a retreat similar to the catalyst type of retreat that happens here at the harbor, he experienced several days of uninterrupted time with God, Bible teaching and fellowship with, uh, with believers. And I want to read the words that my grandfather wrote to me uh, a long time ago. He said, I know the peaceful feeling that comes when a commitment is made to God. A few months after Jean died, Jean was my grandmother. They were married for 51 years. I spent a weekend <clears throat> I spent a weekend at St. Joseph's Retreat House in Malvern. 
I used to go there regularly in the past year. And at the end of the retreat on Sunday, our retreat master asked the 300 men if they had any thoughts they would like to share. A few made comments on how the two-and-a-half-day retreat gave them a sense of inner peace in their hectic lives. I went to the lectern and said, I lost something here this weekend. I lost control of my life. I gave it to Jesus. Most of my life, I was a control freak, which your dad will confirm. And I know it made his life different, at, difficult at times. From that, day on, <clears throat> from that day on, I don't worry about things I can't control. I've come to uh, don't sweat the small stuff. My grandfather was 78 years old when he, wrote that, uh, when he went to that retreat and surrendered his life to, uh, to Jesus. Um, and it had a powerful, powerful impact on his life and on our family. He experienced profound change. He decided to dedicate time shortly after my grandmother passed away to God. And it was a life-changing experience for him. It made a huge difference. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Jesus offers this profound invitation to all of us. The words you'll see up on the screen where Jesus says, look, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humbled and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus extends this invitation to all those who follow him. Jesus says, look, come to me. Come to me. He gives us this invitation, and he points out the fact that, look, you might be tired from life. You might have heavy burdens. The Greek words that they use in these original text defines things like, or it gives you the description of the feeling of fatigued, overburdened. I think if I did a survey and said, hey, anyone ever feel tired and overburdened by life? I'd, everybody's hands would go up. And whoever's hand didn't go up, I'd say either you're not telling the truth or you haven't lived enough life, but it's coming. The truth is life can be heavy. But Jesus says, look, I know, but come to me. And then he says, learn from me. Learn from me. He wants to teach us his way. And he describes it as a way of humility and gentleness. Now, I don't know about you, but I know when life gets intense and heavy burdened, Gentleness isn't something that typically shows itself up in my life. It typically, gentleness and humility is not anything that I, am, I demonstrate very well when things get a little crazy. But Jesus says, look, that's my way. Learn from me. And then lastly, and I like he says it two times in these verses, he says, and find rest for your souls. Not just find rest physically. He says, look, find rest for your souls. He invites us to come close to him, and that's what he has for us when we commit to time with him. Here at the harbor, we're committed to enabling these experiences and really trying to encourage the experiences. We enable them through a variety of events over the course of the year, things like Catalyst for men and women. We have Infusion, which is a powerful marriage uh, retreat opportunity. There's high school and junior high retreats. There's summer camp, harbor student weekend, the list is long. Even for younger kids, we have zip camp and camp in the city. So there's an opportunity to enable these things, but then to encourage them, 
by just teaching what the Bible says about time with God. So you can maybe put together your own extended time with the Lord. Exposed to his teaching. And do it with a few folks who are committed to the same thing in that fellowship with Christ. It's really the Bible formula is exactly that. It's uninterrupted time with God. Stepping away from the day-to-day busyness, distraction, tension that life can often bring. But then, most importantly, it's exposure to what the Bible teaches about things. Romans 12.2 talks about transformation of the way that we think about things. That's what the Bible provides us. Life does not. The Bible says, this I will transform you through my word. And so we expose ourselves to God's word. And then this fellowship with a Christ-like, Christ-following community. If you look at the evolution of the early church, they came together. They came together and pursued their relationship with Christ and pursued serving others. That really is the formula. So is now the time for you to commit to participating in one of these events? Or maybe God's prompting you to consider how you can create your own summit experience. Or maybe if you've done one in the past, is it time to do something else? Has it been a long time since you've got uninterrupted time with the Lord? No, sometimes people might think, look, isn't the fact that I read my Bible, the Holy Spirit is living in me as a follower of Jesus and I'm part of a church, like, isn't that enough? I mean, come on, how many things can we do? Jesus, the Apostle Paul, Peter, Moses, many of those who gave their lives to what God was doing, they would say no. I believe they would say no because they were all illustrations of doing that. They all had extended, uninterrupted time with God. They learned from him, and they spent time seeking him alongside of others. What if everyone committed to this process, committed to this time, what impact do you think it could have on all of us? What would happen? I said, I've experienced it myself, and it changed me powerfully. I share the effect that it had on my grandfather, and I'd say that it changed him powerfully. But I've also observed it in the lives of others, And it actually fuels my pursuit. When you watch the change that God can create in people, it will fuel your pursuit of following Jesus more deeply. I'm going to read one final thing to you. And it's uh, out of a journal, uh, my personal journal. And the Infusion Marriage Retreat happened a few weeks ago, and my wife and I have had a chance to be part of those, both as a participant, but then serving in it. And for some reason or another, this last one had a big impact on me. Uh, and things that I saw. And I was so powerfully reminded of what God does in the lives of people that I came home and I, and I wrote this. And I want to, uh, I'm like sharing more of stuff that I've written or had in my life today than probably ever in the history of my life. So um, I appreciate you guys listening. But I, uh, this is, this is uh, to capture the power of God. I was so freshly reminded of God's power to change as I watched Maya and Derek lead a table. I listened to Craig and Athena share their powerful story. I watched Brad and Ashley continue to grow stronger and drawn to God. I especially love seeing Ashley open up with people. Ron and Becky's story of surrender and dealing with conflict 
is just so powerful for me. Watching Matt and Jessica fighting against their past to pursue Jesus encourages me. Being part of Brad and Debbie realizing the work God is doing in them was so cool to watch. I see brokenness, pride, and resistance being replaced by humility, gentleness, and surrender. I see hopelessness change to hopeful and desperation change to encouragement. I even saw people who are in a pretty good place be challenged to consider an even better place. They realize God wants to do more with their marriage. He can do more with their marriage, and he will do more if they would simply surrender, if they would simply bring Jesus into their relationship and surrender it to the one who authored it. See, being part of these things, serving or as a participant, it does, it creates, uh, it creates powerful change. Don't miss out on these opportunities by convincing yourself that it won't impact you. So I want to leave you with this challenge on this topic. And the challenge is simply this. Prayerfully ask God where he would have you participate in an event, whether it's serve or be involved. Where should you participate or where should you serve? And ask God for guidance. I believe these words so wholeheartedly, but you will not, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. You know, when this series kicked off back in October, Rick provided some perspective on the purpose of the series. And it was just kind of describing the methods that the harbor brings to life their mission. The mission is introducing people to Jesus and then helping them become more fully devoted followers. And really, this framework of the VIPS series is designed to exactly do that. Now, for some of you who may have been part of the harbor for a while, you might have thought at certain times that it's a bit of a repeat of maybe what you've heard before, or I think of it as maybe a kind of a been there, done that message. And uh, that might be true, but the content or information may be a repetition of things that you've heard before. But the question is, is your participation in what God is doing different? So you go back to the beginning of the thing that I said, the, the intent of, G, of our relationship with God as we surrender our life to Christ is to conform us to look like Jesus. This is the way that he does that. Are you actively engaged in vibrant community through either a small group or through a small group and through Sunday morning worship? Do you have an intimate devotion life in prayer and evangel or in prayer in God's word? Are you serving passionately in your wheelhouse and through evangelism? Are you talking to other people about Jesus? And is there an opportunity for you to finally say yes to a summit experience? To finally say yes to where you can get extended time with God? Are you living the life that God richly intends you to live? I think that is the question. You know, the book, VIPS, many of our small groups are using it. I think they have an image up there. I think there's some available at the uh, small groups kiosk after the service if you're interested in picking it up. For those of you who haven't been part of each of the sessions during this series, it is a fantastic blueprint. Yes, it's written from the perspective of the harbor, and if you are not a regular attender at the harbor, I assure you, though, the principles that are in there are straight out of God's word and how to live. You know, the idea of that we had this illustration of building a home 
think building is, is certainly uh, uh, on everybody's mind, not only through our, our videos, but through everything that's gone on post-Hurricane uh, post Harvey. And the fact that, look, you can have good plumbing, you can have great electrical, but if you have a bad foundation, and I'm not even a builder, but I know that's bad. All parts of the home must be powerfully, powerfully good and well done. This framework is the blueprint so that you can have all of the areas of your life that God encourages us to have centered and focused on him. Jesus is the author of the blueprint, and we are so grateful that he shared it. And I think we're so grateful as a church that he uh, framed up this series over the last couple weeks. I hope that it has encouraged all of you the way it's encouraged me. So let me pray for us. And then we are going to, uh, just the way that we started this series, if you recall, through taking communion as a community, we're going to do the same thing and we're going to wrap the series up like that. So let me pray and then we'll move on to that. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you continue to communicate to us through your word. Lord, it's just a powerful reminder of the rich life that you've intended us to have. And you've laid it all out for us in the Bible. Lord, I pray today that as each person sits and listens and considers how you are speaking to them, Lord, would you simply speak to them in a way that they need to hear it, exactly what they need to hear. The Bible tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So, Lord, would you please do a mighty, mighty work in each of our lives today? I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So many of you have the uh, wafer at your seat. If you would hold on to that, we're going to take care of that in, uh, in just a moment. But we're going to take communion as a community all at the same time. Communion is the most powerful, powerful expression of what God did for us. You know the story, but on the night before Jesus went to the cross for us, he sat in a room with his very best friends. And Jesus took bread and he broke it. When Jesus broke the bread, he said, let this be a reminder of my broken body for you. That when you eat it, remember, remember me. And then Jesus took the wine. Said, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. A new way that I'm going to shed for you. When you drink it, remember what I did for you. Remember me. So we're going to remember Jesus now. And if you would simply peel back your little plastic take the wafer and remember this is the symbol of Christ's broken body on the cross and then if you simply peel back the plastic and remember again this is Jesus' blood shed for us 
before we were even here. And we drink it in memory of him. As you sit quietly for just a minute, I want to encourage you just to ask God, God, what have you said to me today? Where are you calling me to step out, to live differently, but to fully and completely surrender to you and let him speak to you?